Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're delving into eschatology um, with Brexit and the end of the world. There you go, a bit of theology there for you. Nick, lead us in. Well, um, it's always interesting when you get a sense of uh, how other countries see your country. And um, there was a quite widely discussed article in the New York Times uh, a week or so back um, looking at uh, people preparing for the disaster, as they saw it, of of Brexit, the impending societal meltdown. Um, People who are, you know, concerned about us running out of food and medicine and you know not being able to get any imports and and uh, you know this leading to to a breakdown of society and um you know so it's people who are kind of getting supplies in what was the tone what? of the article it was it was gloomy it was it would certainly gave the impression that most people in britain are, are right now hunkering down and cowering in their cellars yeah and so um and i think that's filtered i would sort of imagine through um the fact that actually in the us there is a much bigger uh, community of people who are preparing for disaster and very into preparing for disaster um, called preppers and um, you know there's a whole prepper community prepper culture um, you know things that that uh, uh, preppers worry about um, but anyway I think what we want to talk about is um, you know are they mad or is it actually sensible to do this um, certainly most people who aren't preppers uh, think it's mad it's there's something a bit unhinged slightly conspiracy theory it's it, it does overlap with the whole world of you know of kind of um, uh, concern about big government concern about you know society being being driven the off UN the deep end over. all of those sorts of things so there's definitely an overlap in the prepper community with with very fringe uh, beliefs so you know the, the question is are they are they mad or is there some logic to it should it should in, does it in fact make sense okay it's got some tie-ins with economics um very much so um chris are they mad uh well it depends uh what the purpose of their preparation is i think uh and i i don't think it's actually about preparing for the risk they perceive i, th- I think there's a lot more going on with this at a at a deeper deeper level i mean you know people have been talking about the end of the world and preparing for the end of the world for a very long time and there's obviously something uh you know millenarian cults have have been around for thousands of years and there's there's clearly something in our psyche that that means we you know groups of people like to think about that and you might have heard of a guy in the bible called noah yeah (laughs) world's first prepper yeah exactly and uh, and he was pro- proven right, so yeah, uh, yeah. so there you go, all all, all power. I think we him. all want to be Noah deep down, don't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, but um, so I I I think there are there are a number of things here. I think one of them is the fact that um, I think the the prepping is more of a social activity. It's more about creating in groups and out groups than it is necessarily about you know stockpiling tins of beans and uh you know learning how to hunt squirrels um but uh i i also think that um you know it, it's it's partly about our own sort of dealing with our own mortality it's a way of thinking about 
you know, we all know we're going to die and sort of dealing with that on a kind of societal scale. Um, and that actually, you know, a lot of a lot of the cultures we create and, and um, sort of societal activity that we engage in is is all about distracting us from you know our our eventual mortality and so i think there's something at that level going on as well so yes you know preparing for um uh the you know um the the sky falling on our head on on uh you know in in march next year when when we leave the european union is daft uh but i think uh it's it's much more about group cohesiveness and our own you know individual ex- existential dread Okay, it's sort of clubs for paranoid people. They can all get together and be paranoid and have fun together. <laughs> Pr- yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, well, uh, okay. I mean, what? Let's look at what people are afraid of. Some plausible scenarios that um, that you know you might you might want to want to be prepared for in some way. Um, but by the way, the sort of uh, the kind of yardstick for preparedness is people think we should be able to survive entirely on our own for 72 hours. That's a sort of minimum level of preparedness. So that's not the people who decide they're going to go into the countryside and live um, sustainably. Uh, a lot of people are interested only really in being able to survive uh, for, you know, for a, for three days or, or so. Well, our you body know. will do that for us. Um, well, kind of. But, you know, there you do need things like water and uh, and, you know, sanit- sanitary days. facilities and those kinds of things. Um yeah. Sanitary facilities. Toilets. I'm talking about toilets. You've got the sea. Yeah. Anyway, go well, on. have you got toilet roll? Leaves. So, you know, I see. I don't think you've thought about it. But if you, <laughs> so, that, so a lot of that is so you've got grid down scenarios, which might be a um, coronal mass ejection or a, an EMP attack um, or, you know, other local disasters like floods. What's an um, EMP attack? An EMP, uh, electromagnetic pulse. It's a okay. kind of uh, okay. it's a side effect of nuclear weapons, but you can build bombs that are just sort of yeah if you've seen the matrix, matrix films they they use them at some point in okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Then we've got economic collapse which people worry about you know in the context of 2008 mass unrest social breakdown that sort of thing good old-fashioned nuclear war can't mm. go wrong with that mm. uh cyber attacks taking down critical national infrastructure so suddenly you know no electricity or power or water or phones or anything uh pandemics and bioterror incidents, um, all large scale, sufficiently large scale terrorist attacks to sort of knock out uh, infrastructure, uh, and then things like civil unrest and, and natural disasters. And in those scenarios, you know, it's, it's sort of people. What people stockpile for is first of all water, but also um, medicine and you know, blood and uh, food. So so it's it's a kind of things that people. Uh, they're the sorts of sorts of things that people worry about. So. When we ask the question, should we prepare for something, uh, you know, we need to know a number of things. So first of all, not very many things, but but essentially three things. One is how likely is it to happen? The other is how, how, how costly is the is the proposed mitigation? And thirdly, how valuable would that mitigation be if the disaster occurred, right? So I had a go at this very back of the envelope because a lot of these scenarios are fairly new and there aren't sort of long-term um, data sets. But I reckon the probability of a disaster, of one of these kinds, affecting you, uh, sort of affecting you at all, of you being involved in in a disaster of this kind, kind of fairly directly, um, is about, I reckon, about 1% per year. I think in that order, if you live somewhere dangerous, it's higher. 
but but I, I think it's not far off. I mean, that, that, so roughly in, in a lifetime, you can expect to be involved in one sort of large scale disaster of some kind. Um, so that's that's the that's the sort of how likely are you to be involved in something like this? Now, the, the slightly harder question is, well, how likely are you to be involved in one of these situations where you, you actually find yourself in need of a bug out bag? you know, of a, of a survival kit. And I think that's significantly lower. And if you look at, you know, if you look at sort of historical disasters which fit some of these um, categories, so things like the Spanish flu or the Blitz or 911 or the Quebec blackout of 1989 or the even the London riots 2011, fuel the fuel crisis of 2000, you know, there were quite a few scary things that happened, you know, for, in in some of those situations, you know, transport wasn't working, food uh, ran out, petrol ran out. But, you know, no, there was no one sitting about needing to survive for 72 hours mm. w- without food or water. So I think I think we can say that the probability of you needing a bug out bag is, is somewhat lower. But, but yeah, I'd be possibly of the order, you know, over a lifetime, I think not unre- unreasonable to think it might be five or 10 percent. You might find yourself unexpectedly in a situation where you where you would need to survive by yourself for three days. So I, I'm going to say it's about that over a lifetime. And now how much do these things cost? So things in a bug out bag, uh, you know, it's all of that stuff that you'd expect of food and water. And Let's have a look what's inside yours. Go for it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show you later. Uh, and um, uh, now they, they cost they if you want to get a basic one, it's about 100 quid. That'll you know, that'll keep you going um, out outside, you know, shell, a bit of shelter, a bit of bit of water, etc. Uh, but you can go up to two thousand pounds. You want a really fancy one with kind yeah, of so integrated. Sorry, what's in them? Well, this is the first time I've ever heard of these things. But yeah, go on. Well, you've got uh, so you've got water, um, uh, first aid kits, um, power, um, heat and light and that sort of thing. Um, you have um, uh, let me find my list. Uh, yeah, you have sort of um, uh, you, you know, the means to start fires. Um, toilet paper. Uh, d- toilet paper, sanitary items. Um, people are very keen to point out that you shouldn't forget about your pets. Uh, my reaction would be we can eat them mm, first. Yeah. But uh, I think people with pets don't necessarily see it like that. Um, you know, they and don't so you you can get very, uh, you know, you can get very fancy ones where you basically have all of that, but more so. So, um, you know, fancier shelters. Uh, so your conclusion, water. I'm going to guess, is well, wait be, a minute. Yeah, so so what well we're talking is hundreds, it. hundreds. We're talking possibly hundred, couple of hundred quid. You know, possibly thousands, but you know, let's say at minimum a couple of hundred quid. Um, well, no. Well, the final thing is, know is how valuable would it be in a crisis, right? So, if you, how much would you pay for that? The one way to think about it is, let's say it happened and I didn't have one, mm. how much would I be willing to pay? Well, they might end up saving your life. You know, they would certainly be extremely valuable, um, and I would say at least an order of magnitude higher. So, where I'm going with this is, I think it does make sense, right? Mm. It does make sense to have, you know, some water stockpiled somewhere and some food and some medicines. Change my mind. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to say that the costs are obviously not just the cost of the pack, right? So, yeah. uh, they're per- perishable items in there. So there's the need to replace. Uh, uh, well, very. Let's say, let's say let's say let's say the medicine, it, food, annual water, cost to... something like twenty or thirty quid. Right. Let's say. Uh, there's then this issue. You'd have to carry it about your person. The the whole time because you never know when this emergency is going to strike right well no um, the idea is that you 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 you'd assume you'd be able to at least get to your 
property quickly and grab the thing. So, you know, it's things well, like I'm, if there's a so flood, I'm, so if there's I'm a flood say, or a hurricane or something like that. So you're, you'd be able to get your thing, but then you need to get out of Dodge. I'm going to say that I could probably assemble the contents of one of these packs within extra 10 minutes from from the items i stock in my house regularly. so you're already a prepper but you just didn't think of it that no way i'm I, incidentally i'm a prepper because i happen to keep food and water and you know i think you'd come yeah but you'd turn things. up at the sort of prepper assembly area with the world's most terrible you'd be like oh, i've got two tins of, of apricots yeah. and and uh, and, <laughs> yeah. a, and a moldy yeah, loaf of bread yeah. yeah and they'd be they'd be the rare items so they'd have the highest value <laughs> yeah everyone would have medicine yeah but you'd be the only guy with yeah. the apricots yeah exactly yeah incidentally has everyone got a tin of apricots in their cupboard no. everyone's got a tin of no. apricots in their cupboard i don't know why they, but... they they cause they cause a great deal of flatulence okay um, well i'll give them a miss but yeah. um but yeah okay, so, look, so so i so i'm what i'm saying is uh, i think it's sensible and i actually having researched this podcast i'm probably gonna gonna assemble a, a small but functional bug out bag by the way as an aside you're the mathematician not me but um i think you're not quite right on your figures by your own calculations even though they're back of an envelope let's say you thought it was one percent chance a year um let's just say for a moment we all live for 100 years not, yeah not right doesn't that make the chance isn't doesn't it's that make about it no, doesn't that make it 100 percent chance of that no in fact in it lifetime? makes it it makes it uh, uh, roughly two-thirds in fact yeah okay yeah. rather than the five percent you said um, of it happening in a lifetime, but anyway, which just no, no, really... no, 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 because that's that's being affected by disaster. What I'm saying is, this goes further. To need a bug out bag is okay. like you need to be affected. It in has a big to be a way. really bad, bad. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So, okay. so, so it's you know, I'm saying it's going to be at least an probably an order of magnitude lower than that. Fine. Um, look, where do we go with this? Um, well, just yeah, well, I had a suggestion, but anyway, go. I mean, just no, one no, other no, suggestion no. is move somewhere else, move to Wales. But anyway, that's got its own problems. But yeah, go yeah. for it. Well, I was going to say, you know, I'm quite interested in. Uh, people's approaches to sort of disaster management or, you know, coping with significant problems and that, um, you know, rather than people following an, uh, an optimal strategy based on, you know, rational ev- uh, evaluation, there, there seems, you know, you know, you have kind of different kinds of reactions when when you see, you know, you have people who are resigned to these things happening, uh, so they so they don't pre- prepare beforehand you have people who might be in denial about them uh you know who who are even if even if you know like people living in earthquake zones you know m- maybe wandering around their their life not actually preparing for something that there might be a reasonable chance of yeah uh, i've of got happening. data on that well um, hold on well, but, but, but before just, you do just before you do just two he's things he's speculating i've got some actual facts okay hold on just one thing um, that I know that is 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 actually more important than than most people realise is actually following safe, safety briefings, for example. And I know that like on a plane, you definitely should listen to the safety briefing, and that makes a big difference. Or things like just having a thought, thinking about what you would do in a fire and fire drills are actually really important. And they're things we shouldn't just go through the motions. We should pay attention because um, those are the people who end up surviving, not getting burnt to a crisp and things like that. Um, we've heard a lot from Nick. Um, and I definitely do want to hear about these statistics, but before is there well, any... yeah, no, it's just, so so you know the the three kinds of uh, you know primary behaviours I was considering. You know, the other is um, sort of futile, obsessive preparation. So over over preparation. You know, the people who've who've got their little shelter packed. You know, uh, ready for the for the end of the world. And I think I think it's just interesting to. Um, 
consider you know what 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 kind of reaction we have generally and it's not always based on um you know what the what the best course of action is that it seems to be driven by um uh you know our our own individual personalities mm, okay um so you were you were dangling some t- statistics in front of us yeah well i was just um going to talk about act- actually how prepared people are um, and if you look at things like, uh, so, I mean, my, my order of magnitude, by the way, was sort of more or less for me, my, my rough probability, I think, of being involved. We're very lucky. I'm on a hill, um, you know, so got almost no chance of flooding, uh, which it would be the major reason you'd have to get out of your house. Um, but there are areas of this country where actually it's a virtual, prob- you know, likelihood that, that, that people will be flooded. And certainly if you look at... Um, uh people think there's there's something like a 50% probability of a really major earthquake in in LA in the next 25 years um but something like one third of people report report to in surveys that they're un, they're unprepared for it right so they they're kind of aware that this could happen but they they're not prepared for for you know what what might happen and that's um in fact the the people who are most vulnerable are the least prepared as well so you know people who are sort of less well educated or uh, you know poorer uh, are less prepared and um and and so you know it's almost like well what can you do you know i mean i mean that they these are people where forget about you don't have to become a prepper it's just common sense that you ought to be you know ready for um you know in in the case of florida hurricanes and floods um in the case of you know la an earthquake um and and yet people aren't you know so i i yeah i don't know it's hard to sort of make that a a rational thing i think it it feels like well it's just go and do it you know Mm. you should um you don't have to be a prepper but yeah i think it's interesting this question about um you know what I think the Chris's taxonomy there works quite well for me. You know, it's fatalists. Well, if it happens, it happens. Sort of obsessive preparedness, which is sort of over, um, you know, spending too much, if you like, an irrationally high amount on preparing. And then there's sort of sensible people in the middle. Um, now, the, I know when I when I was at school, it's very fashionable to talk about, oh, well, you know, if there's a nuclear war, I'd just go out there and get vaporised because I wouldn't want to survive. Um but I remember my dad always used to say, no, it'd be, I want to see what the world would be like after a nuclear war. I'd definitely try and survive. And I think actually when push came to shove, um, you know, people who, who are blithely saying, oh, I don't mind just being vaporised, probably, you know, we're animals and we've evolved to survive. I suspect most people would 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 wish that they had prepared more, mm. you know, in that situation would would actually find themselves quite wanting to survive, please. So... I think it's it's nice. It's, it's a classic Aleph uh, topic and podcast, essentially, um, which is um, know what your aims are, know what the information is, have try and get the best mm. best view you can on the information, and then take action. Yeah, and if if you do live in an area where you know flooding or earthquakes or other natural known natural disasters are, um, you know, a, a relatively frequent, well, it, you know, there's just no excuse whatsoever. Uh, for the rest of us, you know, I think it's still sensible to think about. Okay, so um, just bring it back round to what you were saying that, and your dad was saying, and um, what was fashionable back in the eighties, etc. What, what would we do, you know, post-apocalypse? Um, I want to ask you: um, think of either a film or a play or a book or or um, what's the one I'm missing or a TV program that is or a musical or a musical it's a shroud <laughs> doesn't really work on radio <laughs> yeah it's not great for radio um and yeah no what's your favorite post-apocalyptic one of those um go for it chris uh yeah so for me it's it's the road by cormac mccarthy 
Uh, book or film? Book. Right. Yeah. I've seen the film. Not. I've not read right. the book. Okay. Well. Yeah. The film's with that Danish bloke, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, the book is incredibly harrowing, uh, but you see that um, sort of dichotomy of approach that I was that, that I was talking about because um, it's 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 largely a book about a father and and his relationship with his son. That's essentially what the book's about. But it's set in this just un- relentlessly bleak uh vision of the of the future um but uh you you find out that the mother um survives whatever the cri- you know the the um uh, undefined crisis that occurs beforehand um but she uh she they have a gun with a few bullets in it and she she takes her takes her life early on in the crisis because she just can't face the the bleakness of it but he has this this drive to continue and obviously you know um look after their son and so on uh but it's just it's just a beautiful book but it's so miserable it's uh it's it's unbelievable Um, i'm gonna he's laid down the gauntlet and i'm gonna put forward and i think what i would say is probably the most miserable piece of fiction um ever created which is threads you're shaking your head i cannot believe it i would never ever recommend anyone to watch threads because it's so utterly uh soul destroying but it's it, it's um a very realistic um nuclear war scenario britain in the 80s <clears throat> written by barry hines uh, of kez fame and um it's so realistic it's done in a sort of documentary style um but it follows this couple you know in the run-up to a to a nuclear war and uh sh- she's pregnant and you know then the nuclear war happens and uh and it, and it doesn't stop there it goes in you know sort of years later showing a britain you know which has regressed to sort of medieval levels of um of of uh or pre you know dark ages levels of uh of of prosperity and um you know sort of saying this this it's just it's just uh horrible if you're not in the mood for that and i don't know why you would be i i actually have got quite a lot of time and i'm very surprised by this for the film noah starring russell crowe i was expecting it to be like a biblical epic mm. it's not it's more of a kind of they, they've it's almost like a, a literal interpretation of the biblical story of noah and um and so it's, it's actually like more a like a documentary no it's it's actually like a fantasy film because if you look at the the kind of myth of noah and the the fact that it was supposed to be god cleansing cleansing the earth which had become unbearably sinful mm. and starting afresh um it it's uh, it's sort of more or less trying to faithfully do that, and it's and it's sort of got um, you know sort of strange. Um, Does he uh, have every species and, of animal on uh, on the ark? It's it does a pretty good job of sort of saying, well, if you were going to do that realistically, like if Noah was true, what would it be like? And 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 I I recommend it. It's good fun. It's quite. A, it's, I was really surprised. Where's he to for hate the giraffes? It. Um, on the well, they have a hole cut through the deck so that they can stick their necks out. Right. I don't know. Goodness sake, they so lie is, down. So it's like a documentary approach, so as if it's real. Anyway, it, 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 no, it's not. It's not filmed like a documentary. Okay, it's no, like that, a that I get. Okay, fine. Uh, my one actually is is actually from a is from a comedy show. It's from a sketch show called That Mitchell and Webb Look. Mm. I think it was called. One of the recurring sketches they had in that was a game show yeah. set in a, in post-apocalypse Britain. Um, and I can't remember anything about it 
other than it was hilarious. Yeah, it they keep brilliant. talking about the event, don't they? Yeah, it's the event. Clearly, people like, people come on with their face yeah. bandaged. And one of them's and, blind. Yeah. And one of them keeps screaming hysterically. And it's it's just so... I, I, go and Google it and find it on YouTube. Well, it's... it's, it's so I, I think... And I think that has sort of the atmosphere, that atmosphere of, of the sort of 1970s uh, dread to it, you know, of, yeah. uh, of yeah, sort yeah, of total yeah, yeah. social breakdown. Yeah. Very good. Okay, on that happy note, um, I've forgotten what we were talking about. What, what were we talking about? Preparing the, for disaster. The there we go, preppers. There we go. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll finish it off there. Um, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. Um, I'm Fraser McGrew, been here with Nick Hare and Chris Rag of Aleph Insights. Yeah, happy prepping. Until next time, bye-bye. Mm-hmm.